a successful streamlined business that's profitable is is really important because you know attorneys have like a super high like depression and substance abuse rate because yep (laughs) if you look at the quality of life and this is for any really profession or or, you know if you're like running crazy every day and you're just putting out fires all day one of my assistants will go in on a day a couple times a day and will filter them and file them in certain orders of priority so i have like must review I have review and respond and each one has like a different like priority level. So if I only have five minutes, I will go to the most, the top priority folder and deal with it there. And then all those educational things and marketing related things, they go to a folder. They're actually automatically filtered there. They go there. And when I have time or if I'm looking for something or if I want to read a little something educational, I'll go to that folder when I have time. Hello everyone and Happy New Year again. This was a short excerpt from the interview that I had with the boss mom Melinda Grimaldi. She's an attorney, business owner, and a married mother of two. So Melinda is definitely a mom on her grind. I met her about two years ago and I was in complete awe with her discipline and her strong work ethic. Um, actually people connected us because we are both Canadians and she's also from Montreal like me. So, you know, I could definitely relate to her because of that. We kind of work in the same field. She does some real estate law. She also does, um, probate and estate planning. So another thing that I really like about her is that she's extremely family oriented like I am, but what pleasantly surprised me about her you know something that surprised me the most that I was like wow this girl is really you know she's really working hard Um, she creates all of those workshops for free either for realtors or for clients to teach them about estate planning so they're always complimentary they're always free and I think that's something that really sets her practice apart in the legal world So since 2009, Melinda Grimaldi Esquire has successfully run a law practice focusing on real estate, estate planning, and probate in the South Florida area. She attended Nova Southeastern University Shepherd Broad Law Center and graduated magna cum laude with honors. She loves helping clients buy, sell, and finance real estate and protect their families by designing their estate plan. She especially loves to design plans for families with minor children as they have their own needs. Without further ado, let's welcome Melinda to the show. Hey, Melinda, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much for doing this. I know you're super busy. Tell me your story. So I moved to Florida with my parents when I was 13. Uh, They, uh, we we used to live in Montreal before that. And uh, my family was in real estate there. And then during the recession, Um, they basically sold their assets in Canada and came to, uh, Florida and started building up from there. So, um, we came when I was 13, uh, and moved officially and I did high school, um, uh, in Boca, then FAU for undergrad and Nova for law school. And, uh, so yeah, and I've been in Florida ever since and I probably will never leave. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, I love the weather, right? Yeah. <laughs> when you come from somewhere cold like Canada, you really, you know, you appreciate it even more. 
And at the end of the day, if you want to hang out with Canadian people, just hang out, just go hang out at like Hollywood Beach, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, and to be very honest, everyone comes to visit so often from back home uh, that you know it's actually I I probably see them more that I live here and they come to visit versus you know in the day to day grind of things when you're when you're back home, you know, and in life, you know, you don't really have sometimes make time to do all those things with people. That uh, otherwise, you know, when you say, "Oh, I'm coming to town," we set we set time apart to just hang out, you know. That's awesome. So, do you ever go back to Montreal sometimes? Uh, I do. I usually go a couple times a year. I haven't gone in a little while because um, of my eight month old, and we decided to take it easy on the flights this year, <laughs> this last couple of years. Um, but yeah, we have we always have family parties and occasions and events. Because everyone's still pretty much back there. My brothers moved back. My family is there. Um, other than my parents, everyone's there. So uh, we go back up quite often on a normal basis. I, I try to keep it to the summertime, though. But it's funny. You still have the Canadian accent. Sometimes, yeah. Uh, depending on who I'm talking to also, I think. Yeah, it's true. Maybe <laughs> when you're, like, talking to me, it's like it comes out. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and when you, you said your parents, they sold all their assets, they came here. Were they in real estate? Yes, my parent, my my father was in real estate um, when I was, was always in real estate, pretty much. Buying and selling, renting. Super developed. smart, super smart. Yeah. <laughs> because it was super cheap to buy here during the recession. Yeah, well, we came, we came during the Canadian recession. Oh, basically. yeah. So this is like, we're talking early 90s. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. When my family started investing here in South Florida, so um, it was a, a long time before that, and then um, and then after that, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, and kind of built built it up. And when did you know you wanted to become an attorney? Is it something that you've always known, or something like an interest that grew over time? Uh, I I pretty much knew when I was in high school I was going to go to law school. Okay. Uh, pretty much that was kind of determined. I don't really remember. So, so actually I do. Um, I went to law school initially because I figured um, the best way to take care of my family's assets are to be a lawyer. You know, like we have businesses, we have things, let me become a lawyer and then we'll kind of take it from there. Um, I didn't really, you know, take over the family business in, in that uh, traditional sense. However, mm -hmm. I did, uh, I did, you know, as a real estate lawyer now, I did actually handle a lot of the um, the, the transactional and uh, real estate related work that uh, happened in the last, you know, almost 10 years now. So that's amazing. And so basically, you know what? I, you're Italian, right? Yes. Yes. One thing that I always admired with Italian people, and my it's interesting because my father, he grew up in St. Leonard, and it's oh, like yeah. St. Michel in Montreal, yeah. which is a super Italian Haitian neighborhood. I don't know why, but we're like the same. We buy the same furniture and everything, <laughs> <laughs> the same gigantic furniture anyway. So my dad always said that one of the biggest lessons that he got from Italian people and working with them, because he worked like at a pizzeria when he was younger, mm -hmm. he goes, I really appreciate how they always involved their kids in the business. It's yeah. like the whole family is involved in what you're telling me about how, you know, you said, let me become a lawyer so I can help my family and keep it and, you know, just help them manage things better. I think that's amazing. Yeah. And, and then uh, so that was like why I went to law school and why, you know, it, but I also remember when I was probably a freshman or sophomore in high school, my mom, my, I remember my mom telling me, you like nice things, you better be able to get them for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
um, so that's kind of like the two prong kind of uh, how I got, you know, kind of part of how I got there. Uh, but got got here actually. Um, Being an attorney, it's not like you know you're not gonna be the the you work hard, but at the same time you get rewarded, you get compensated exactly. for it in a in a good way. Exactly, exactly. So that was kind of uh, the initial stages of uh, or the seeds, I guess, that I got planted for me becoming a lawyer. And uh, me owning my own law firm also stem from my family. We've always been a family of my family's always been entrepreneurial. There's, you know, lots of different types of businesses and industries and uh, not just my immediate family, but my extended family. So for me, having my own firm was kind of like the, a no brainer. Um, and I knew it would allow me the flexibility to have a family one day. That's awesome. It's true. It does give you more flexibility. Um, and, you know, we're going to get into you opening your law firm. But before opening your law firm, where did you work before? And did you work in the same field that you work now, that you work in now? I'm sorry. So when I graduated, I opened my firm immediately. Wow. Uh, yeah. So that and I also graduated during the recession. So there really wasn't too many firms at that point hiring. Yeah, they, they, they were firing they, people. <laughs> they, were fire, they were laying people off. Uh, so it kind of forced me. To, what I would probably have done was like work a few years and then open my firm. Um, but then I thought the, the only firms that were hiring were really firms that I did not want to work for. I didn't want to be in a foreclosure mail or a bankruptcy firm. And those are the firms that were hiring. And they expected you to work for a lot of money. Uh, sorry, a lot of hours for very little money. And I figured, well, if I'm going to do that, I might as well do it for myself. And that's kind of how I started um, started uh, my practice. I was living, I had the luxury of living at home. So I had the support of my family to just go, okay, go and concentrate on building a business um, without having, you know, to pay a mortgage or rent. So I was really lucky to have that support starting, starting out. Yeah. What was your what was biggest your challenge in opening your law firm? I think that looking back, my biggest challenge was the comp in the beginning, the confidence that I was, you know, worthy to uh, get clients, you know, cause you're, you're a long, young lawyer going out, you're starting off and you kind of have that, I think a self-confidence thing, at least I did. And I'm yeah. sure a lot of people would, are, would agree. Like you're going in, you're asking people to pay you and to trust you. And I think, you know, if you don't even trust yourself sometimes in that beginning, those beginning stages, that's what kind of, um, maybe will slow the progress down. And I think maybe even having so much support sometimes, um, didn't, make me as much of a hustler like I wasn't hustling as much as that back then because I didn't like have that I didn't have bills to pay in the beginning so ah, okay so yeah, I, I think that like it's a bit of a different it's like a blessing and a curse right so if I if maybe if I wouldn't have had that I probably would have um done things you know uh, a little differently I would have maybe a, a, a quicker progress you know like uh, growth in the beginning stages uh, I don't know. Those I think, you know, sometimes blessings can be uh, also uh, things that hold you back. So it's so true because even when you're younger, right? A lot of people, when you think of a lawyer, you think of like an old person, right? Exactly. So that's another. That's actually. Uh, I'm glad you reminded me. Um, you know, I was when I graduated law school. I think I was 26. Oh. So I went straight through and then I graduated and I opened my own firm. People are like this 26 year old lawyer, 27 year old lawyer. I don't even remember. Uh, you know, I used to wear my hair in like a very strict bun, like big glasses. Cause I didn't, I didn't, you know, I was trying, to make, <laughs> trying to make myself look older, you know? So it's like, I'm young, I'm female. And it's like, okay, 
who's going to hire me? And I had to get over that myself too, because people did hire me. But you know, sometimes you feel like you have it's that. in your head. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's all in your head. And it's interesting because you had to open, you open your own law firm, you had the support of your parents, but I'm just dying to ask you, how did you get your clients? So in the beginning stages, it really was hustle market sell, like just going to networking events. I joined a BNI oh. um, and really just uh, leveraging my relationships. You know, I, I still, you know, use those strategies today and by you know, giving and reaching out, people will call me and something I didn't handle. I was very, um, it was very important to me to refer them to somebody who I knew because that's always how you build relationships. So, uh, you know, obviously you give to, to give, but you know, in, in business, you also give with the expectation you're building those referral relationships. So. Okay, good. So it was, you got your, most of your clients by networking. That's really amazing. Yeah. I didn't really spend money on other than like, networking events and things like that uh, until much later it's funny my last one of the last episodes I did was called networking tips mm -hmm. and I told people that networking can be really cheap if you yeah. plan it in advance like if you plan it ahead like let's say you know you're starting a business and you don't have a lot of funds if you plan ahead some networking events are free oh yeah you can get a little creative and really maximize your dollars and your time with marketing and a question that I have for you is, you know, you spoke about how, you know, you started your your firm and that your family's entrepreneurial. So, you know, the podcast is called Moms on the Grind. So do you feel like you've always been on your grind, like even when you were a kid or maybe a teenager? Is it something that you feel developed over time by working with your family and seeing how they function? Tell me a bit about that. So I definitely, you know, got that entrepreneurial spirit. Like when I was a kid, if you asked me, like when I was like a, a much younger kid, not even in high school, when you used to ask me, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I used to be like, I want to be my own boss. Wow. <laughs> okay, you yeah, knew well, it. <laughs> so I, I, I knew that that was going to be something like that. I, I, it, it was it was inevitable. But what that was, what that was going to look like, you know, you know, developed only when I was a little older. Um, I I saw my family grind, you know. But they really gave me the ability to concentrate on school when I was younger. So I, I, I did my grind that way. You know, I, I studied really hard in law school and in an undergrad, you know, got top grades, top of my class, uh, graduated honor. So that was my grind. You know, my parents basically gave me the opportunity. Like we, we weren't able to study and we had to do other things. But now we want to give, you know, my brothers as well. Like we got the opportunity to go to school and just focus on school. And that's another grind because school is not easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, but it, it required, so when you're given that opportunity for me anyways, it really, I put a lot of pressure on myself because I had, I was given that opportunity, so I better deliver, you know? So I did it, I, I, I had my grind in that way. And I had like internships and little things here and there and worked at the mall for the summer. But, you know, not until I, I started my firm did I, did I start, you know, developing anything of that, of that nature. But I will say it was not until I had uh, my first son that I, I want to say like my I, my grind went into overdrive when I had oh, kids. And that it's funny that you mentioned that because the next question was more, you know, love life. Are you married? Do you have children? Tell me. Tell me more about that. So I'm married. Uh, we got married in 2011 with my husband, Wellington. Congratulations. Thank you. We met right before law school. So we've been together for like, I don't you know. Uh, Forever. <laughs> I, I, I lost count. I, I, I even forget how old I am sometimes. I don't even know. Um, so yeah, uh, we've been married for a long time. 
Uh, we met actually in Hollywood at the Diplomat. They used to be a place called Nikki Marina. I don't know if you. No, I, I know what the Diplomat I, is. So you know Nikki Beach and South Beach. They had they, yeah, used, to have, yeah, yeah. they used to have Nick Nikki Marina at the Diplomat. And oh, it was, so it was like a fun thing, right? It was a really hip spot, like that was I, that I didn't have to drive so south for, and uh, we kind of frequented a lot of the same spots, and we met, and we just kind of we went on our first day, and it was like history from there, um, and so that was that's pretty much you know um, that. So my husband, um, you know, is. Uh, he helps me here and there also with my firm the, in terms of um, what, what we do, but he has his own, his own stuff going on, but uh, he's definitely supportive in that sense. He, he helps me um, a lot and, you know, he's a very involved father too. So it gives me the, the, the time frame, you know, to be able to do what I got to do too. And you said that your grind like skyrocketed when you had your first kid, how yeah. old is your kid and how did that happen in terms of the grind? So my, my older son is three and a half, Michael, and he, uh, when he was born, I, I, I didn't know what to expect with my first kid. So I really slowed down my practice towards the end uh, of my pregnancy. And I was just taking on like real estate closings and that's it. And everything else I would turn away or refer out because I, I didn't know what to expect. So at that point, um, when I got back on my feet, you know, we hired a nanny to help and my mom was very involved in, in helping me with, with him, especially even more so in the early years, but also now as well. Uh, and so then I started going back into things and um, that's when I'm like, you know, I have all these things I want to provide for my kids. Let me hustle this. I don't have time to waste anymore. I need to double down. <laughs> yeah. Instead of like slowing down, you're like, I need to do more. Yeah. Once I got back, like on my, and then with my second pregnancy, I have a nine month old now. I think uh, I met you while you were pregnant. Is that correct? I think you met me in my, yeah, in my first pregnancy. Probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, or maybe right after or something like that. But yeah. So the funny thing is, is that um, with my second pregnancy, I like, not, I didn't double down. I like quadruple down. I, I never <laughs> So hard in my life. I was literally hosting workshops, going out, uh, getting awards, all these things with this huge belly that I was like trying to hide because I felt like, you know, um, I don't want people to think, you know, not send more business, you know? So I was like hiding this belly. Uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, and I literally worked till the day before I went to the hospital. Uh, oh my God. I, you know, and I agree. Some people say that you know, okay, so working from Canada. In Canada, we have mater paid maternity leave, right? Yeah. Here, we don't have such a thing. And when you have your own business, when you work is when you get paid. So sometimes people are like, well, you know, she had a baby. How come she's working? No, we're actually going to work more. We're going to work hard. We have a family to support now. Right. And the funny thing is, people are like, what are you going to slow down? I'm like, uh, never. <laughs> Not right now. Like, and my, my whole concept is basically, you know, let me work hard now um, so that I could be there when they're older and really need that, like, attention you know as they're growing up and becoming um little humans you know little adults uh go to their practices be involved in their school make sure that they're on top of their schooling uh make sure that they're like you know learning to be good people and what's interesting and, and, though is that like do you feel like you're showing them to be hard workers too 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. The funny, my, my, my three, my three-year-old is really funny because he loves to come to my office. And when, when he's like imaginary playing, he's like, okay, I'm going to go to the office now. And he has keys and he like has play money. <laughs> and, and, and one day we were driving, he goes, he goes, I want to buy that condo. I'm like, where does this three-year-old come from I'm talking about buying condos? I guess that's, uh, you know, part of the, part of the family, uh, uh, traits that he has there he wants to invest in real estate and have his own office and he even has an imaginary address for his office I don't even know where it came from that's so, amazing we work hard now so that later you can relax more and you know your practice how has it grown over time were you able to hire help with your practice you have paralegals tell me a little bit about that yeah so um up until just a few days ago we were three <laughs> <laughs> that changed yeah. About, uh three staff members now now we're down to two but we're we're gonna you know actively look for for help again so in the beginning I was obviously doing everything myself then I got some part-time like law school students then I got part-time assistant which turned into a full-time assistant which then turned into two assistants you know and then the ups and downs of like finding staff and getting help which is always you know what it is but uh, anyone who's done it knows exactly what I'm talking about because it's mm-hmm. a, probably the, the hardest part of being a, a business owner is, um, is you know, hiring and, and managing staff. You know, you can't really scale your business without help. And the people that work for you, is it paralegals? You have an assistant? Because I know you do a lot on social media. You do a lot uh, of workshops, which we'll talk about in a few seconds. But what kind of help do you have? And what do you feel was the most important help that you got in your office? So right now, um, I have what we call our closing coordinator slash client care specialist, basically, um, she helps with um, interacting with clients, getting them what they need on the day to day, moving, moving the, and moving the files along. Uh, then we have the legal assistant slash receptionist who who was handling phones and like mailing and all that type of like uh, administerial kind of work. And then I have a mark, I have a marketing assistant who basically is um, helping me do my social media, my setting up my events and whatever projects and things that I have that come along the way that are like data entry and things of that nature. So on on the larger scale, you know, I would have my husband help me with like larger kind of top level things looking down. And now we have like a contract bookkeeper. And another question I have, I know you do a lot of real estate law, but I know that you do estate planning. So it's interesting because I was reading, um, Something about like, because I'm really into Dave Ramsey nowadays, because I yes. need to get my finances together. So <laughs> I was reading something he wrote this morning. And it's funny that um, it's interesting that we're talking now because he did speak about the importance of having a will and estate planning. So since this is a, a good part of your business, can you tell us more about estate planning and how important it is, especially when we have kids? Absolutely. So estate planning in general is um, something that a lot of people think that they only need to do when they're old. Yep. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> and a lot of people think that, oh, well, I have a will and I'm good. So actually, both of those are are, are, are false. And a lot of people are like, well, I ha- I'm not that wealthy, so I don't really need an estate plan. That's another like myth. So all those three are myths, I would say. Um, and um, basically, there's a few things to consider. And, and I'll give you myself as an example. Um, 
after I had my son and I was getting back into my practice and I really wanted to expand this part of my practice, I realized, wow, I don't even have my own things in order, right? So that allowed me to reflect of like, wow, if I don't have, let me, let me get my paperwork in order. And so I did. And I got my estate plan done and prepared all this different stuff and got life insurance and did all this stuff. And then afterwards I was like, wow, you know, if I'm an attorney, like I know this stuff. And it took me like almost a year to get get my S-H-I-T together. So what, you know, uh, what else is there? Like, you know, imagine everybody else who doesn't have this education about this type of thing. Like, you know, obviously this is what I do for a living. So uh, from there, I really started to educate and I was speaking to mom groups and writing blogs about it and, and you know, uh, being out there all about estate planning, especially for families of minor children, because so basically there's a few things that everybody needs. Everybody should have a durable power of attorney, which if you're not able to make your own financial decisions because you're ill or um, you're incapacitated, who, who's going to make the decision for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and alternatively, there's the, the healthcare related uh, uh, surrogate forms where who's going to make the healthcare decisions for you if you can't make them for yourself. OK, mm. so those, those documents are important because even before, like, you know, the, the scary D word death. Right. There's yeah. there's things that in, in terms of planning, you need to plan for incapacity because people are living a lot longer, like three times as long as they did like a hundred years ago, let's say, or whatever, mm-hmm. something, something like crazy like that. I forget the statistic. Don't quote me on that. But basically, you know, you need to be able to prepare for, you know, illness, right. Or a car accident or whatever. If something happens that you can't do, do something for yourself. So, uh, planning for capacity, everybody needs it, no matter, you know, what age you are. Um, it's very important because nowadays you never know. Then there's the planning for death, which, planning for death is like, who's going to take, who's going to get my assets? And if you have minor children, who's going to take care of my kids? It's super important. Yeah. And, and when you talk about who's going to get my assets, like, you know, the reality is, is that Florida, we're in Florida. Florida is not a probate friendly state. So when you pass away, if you just have a will, or if you have no will, your assets are going to go through probate, which can take anywhere from nine to 12 months. It's a whole long process. So uh, and then your family during this whole period of time is waiting to get that those assets, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then you don't they don't have access to it. And the reality is that wealthy people that have a lot of money and their own assets, everyone in the family has their own assets, they're less dependent on that family member, let's say, because they usually have something of their own. Yeah. But it's the average family that actually needs those funds even more so because they're usually husband, wife, or, or children, parents, like they're super dependent on each other, right? Because everyone contributes to the common household. Everyone's like working really hard. Uh, the paycheck is, you know, no longer there. So now what, right? So, exactly. So the average family, actually, I think it's even more important that they, that they pay attention to doing some of this planning. And by using tools like trusts and other uh, types of tools, you actually can... Um, uh, avoid probate and allow things to pass automatically. Now, the extra layer in all that is that minor children can inherit. So if you have minor children, it's even more important to have these types of trusts and other tools to avoid not only probate, but to avoid guardianship. Mm-hmm. So what this all means is basically you have you have your little your little nest egg that you want to leave your family. And if you don't plan properly, it's going to get chewed up by court fees, attorney's fees and guardianship fees. Um, and then, and, and it will not allow them to have access to it right away. So, and uh, 
is a so basically a will is part of estate planning, correct? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. It's 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 one of the main four legs of an estate plan. You know, there's the the durable power of attorney, your healthcare documents, a trust, and a will are like the four legs of your of your table of your estate plan. And you really need all of them to to be comprehensive. And then if you have a minor children, you need to add the you know your guardianship appointments to that. Okay, so just two two quick questions. How early should people um, handle their estate planning? And the most important question that I know I ask and that a lot of people talk about when we talk about that, they say, my God, it's super expensive. Is it something that can be affordable? Is there a more affordable way of doing it for people that might not have of the budget for it? Can you tell me a bit about that? Sure. So with regards to affordability, um, I know at least in my firm, we are, we are able to break up the payments so that it is something that's affordable and that can be uh, paid over time. But as far as um, other options, I will say you're better off not having anything than trying to do it yourself <laughs> because, because it gives you a false sense of security. I've, had so, I've seen so many people come through my door with documents that they've tried to do themselves that have actually made matters worse. Then, act, then, then better. And, no and then way. they think, and then also it gives them that security, like, oh, I took care of it. Well, actually, no, you didn't. And actually you did it wrong and you have nothing done or you have something and it's not the right way. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, those, those online forms are really, they, they're just like, they're, they're really not a good strategy for anybody to use because um, they're general, they're not state specific, they're not family specific. And these really are, are like, you know, these these are plans. They're like they're like supposed to be catered to your family. And every family is different. And if you're just gonna cookie cutter or something that you know you print from the internet, it's not gonna really achieve your goals. So, and yeah. How early should people do it? Is it when they have a child? Is it when they purchase property? When do you think people should start thinking of well, working on their estate? If you're 18 years old, you should at least bare minimum have your incapacity planning done. So when parents are sending their kids off to college, for example, um, they need to make sure that, you know, if something they have no more authority over their children, although they really still need the help. Right. So as early as, as 18, parents can help their their um, their teenagers that are going off to college to get their they're in capacity planning. So should they be in the hospital, they have the authority to make decisions for them. Should they something happen, they can actually go in and, and talk to people and, and deal with stuff that needs to be dealt with um, if their kid cannot. So that's like the first layer. Uh, as far as once you, you start having any little bit of money, you want to have a, a bare minimum of will because otherwise it's going to um, going to the based on your assets will go based on what the law says. So what, yeah. and most of the time people don't, that's not how people want it to be done. A great common example is like, oh, uh, if something happens to me and if, and if I'm a single person, I'm going to leave my stuff to my nieces and nephews, right? Because they're, you know, like my brother doesn't need it. My parents don't need it. I'll leave it to my nieces and nephews. Well, first of all, your nieces and nephews can't inherit. Second of all, that's not what the law says, right? The law says it's going to go either to your parents or to your, you know, if your parents are not there, you know, there's a whole like lineage of how things happen. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, that might not be necessarily what you want. So as early as you know you're earning some money and have a, a little bit of an asset, it, it it should be there. It should be done. Um, then when you're married, it needs to be revised. If you have children, that needs to be revised. There, there's different needs at different levels of kind of 
your life. You know what I mean? Um, but really everybody needs it. That's amazing. I just learned a lot of stuff. Just, <laughs> just those past like three minutes that you spoke about it. I'm like, okay, I need to work on this. I need to make an appointment with you. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going to find this helpful. Yeah. And speaking of being helpful, I know that you host a lot of workshops. Yes. How did you start doing that? What prompted you to do that? And they're free, by the way. This is awesome. Yes. Yeah. So I, I have two types of workshops uh, that I that I do. I do workshops in the estate planning arena, um, educating people on what you know what needs to be done and what what things are, etc. And then I do my real estate workshops, which are usually geared uh, towards realtors and uh, real estate professionals. And they're both you know they have different goals. For my estate planning, it's to educate people and hopefully, you know, they see value in what I educated them on and see they feel that they have the need, obviously, to hire me, right? So that's the marketing mm-hmm. aspect of that. But of course, it's also education based uh, and reaching out to most of the time they're, they're geared towards uh, families, and young children, but I'm going to be doing different types of workshops, uh, expanding on that this year. And on the real estate side, um, I, I did a lot of workshops. I think I, I hosted 27 different types of workshops in 2018. Oh my God. Wow. Uh, they were all free to those who attended. They were for real estate professionals, realtors and real estate agents. And they were either at my office or at some other location. And basically I'm either educating them on the process, like the substantive part of a closing title, contracts, uh, negotiations, uh, processes. I would bring in specialists like lenders and inspectors and whoever that had play a role in the process to educate, educate the realtors on, on, you know, what they, what their, their business and to continue to help them grow. Mm-hmm. And then I also did a lot of marketing related, uh, workshops. So teaching real estate professionals, how to sell themselves, market themselves, uh, plan for their business, Etc. And why I did them was because as a real estate attorney, 90% of my business comes from the real estate professionals. Mm-hmm. So to, pro- to provide value back for me is uh, really important, you know, and it allowed me to um, give back to the realtors that do refer to me and build new relationships with, uh, with new agents uh, that I've met through the process. And uh, I was able to do most of those uh, workshops at very little cost. Uh, I know we were talking about marketing in the beginning, and I, I want to circle back to that in terms of, you know, spending money. Um, I was able to bring in uh, a lot of different um, sponsors, people that w- want to access the same people, the same, whether they be realtors or families or whoever. Uh, mm-hmm. So they would come in and they would pay for lunch or the venue or whatever the case may be. And then they would be given an opportunity to chat for a few minutes with everybody and present their business to them. But it allowed me to, it allowed me to expand and do more with my, with my uh, marketing budget. And it all happened because someone saw what I was doing. They're like, Hey, can I sponsor one of your workshops? I'm like, you sure can. And <laughs> let me get a sponsor for every workshop now. And I kind of, I've taught a lot of other people on, on it's like, a win-win of situation. It's actually, yeah. it's a win-win because even the person sponsoring, I mean, the cost it's, is more, it's minimal compared to spending money on print or other marketing. And then you're building relationships. Exactly. And the face to face is really what's important. So uh, other than, you know, building that, I also I, I basically created my own buzz. Right. One thing I learned in the last few years is that you can't be afraid to promote yourself and your business because if you don't do it, no one else will. So I created my own buzz with these events and with these different types of marketing strategies 
that really allowed me to uh, to grow my real estate practice. And speaking of uh, those workshops, which one did you find had the best results? So most of the workshops that were marketing related with regards to the real estate agents were, were the ones that were most of them well well received. So we did one on uh, real estate niches. We did one on branding. Though you know, we did one on goal setting and business planning, and those were really well received. And they, you know, we some of them we did twice because there was so many people that wanted to attend that couldn't make the first one. Uh, so those are really great. I also did some like uh, niche substantive kind of classes, like probate for realtors, teaching realtors about the process, so that they're able to sell and 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 farm that area. If you understand that you're able to better sell it, things to help develop their business. One of my goals for this year is to at- attend your workshops, even though <laughs> it's pretty far. I really yeah. want to make the commitment to attend one of them because every time I get the invitations and I see them, I'm like, oh my God, it looks amazing. But I'm like, oh my God, I have to drive an hour. But <laughs> I think it's going to be totally worth it for me to attend them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're uh, I, I get very good reviews on them. So, and the, a lot of the substance and the content that I, of these workshops a lot of them came from my own education and my own coaching and my own kind of development as a business owner and so basically whatever I learn I usually bundle, will bundle it up and put it in a class that's <laughs> basically where the content comes from I love it and I want to invite other people to do it so I, I will put your uh, business page in the show notes so people can follow your page on Instagram and I know that you make you create the events from your business page so they'll be able to get the notification for it yes exactly exactly. so I want to help you with that and then now now back to personal life and business and balancing everything so you did say that you get a lot of help from your parents your husband your and you do you still have a nanny so my question is you know what does your village consist of because we all need a village to raise our children and to balance our careers the the saying it takes a village is so true and in the last year is really where that kind of clicked for me so I have a lot of help and some days it's still really hard. Like I said, I have, I have a full-time nanny. I have uh, my parents who help me daily with my kids um, and my life. <laughs> and <laughs> I have an involved, you know, obviously a very involved um, husband um, who helps me. My, my older son has teachers, you know, he's, he's in pre-K three part-time. So he has that, um, you know, which is, is part of the village too, you know, teachers and, um, and so that and right now my grandfather is in town and he's helping us, you know, it, it, sometimes it's just not like sit with the kids and entertain them for like a little bit while I just, you know, drink coffee for a second, you know. So it, it, it really is something that in the beginning I would feel guilty about. But when I look back at my childhood, my grandparents were part of my daily life as well. And some of my best memories included them. So when I think about that, I'm like, you know what? This is part of enriching my children's life just as much, you know? And I know a lot of people, and even myself, I often have trouble asking for help, okay? Because I think I can do everything. How are you able to ask for help over time or any tips you can give to people in terms of asking for help or even making the decision to hire a nanny and to spend the money for it? Yeah, so the decision to hire a nanny was actually really hard for me. My, I, I had one assistant at the time and she was having issues in her family and she resigned. So I had a four month old, I had no one helping me. And I was like, oh snap, what am I gonna do? Uh, I was trying to work from home a little bit. My son barely napped at the time. And my husband said to me, 
instead of hiring another assistant, let's hire a nanny first. Mm. And my mom, my mom was helping me a lot, but she was still working at the time. So, you know, she couldn't give me that nine to five. Uh, and so I asked my friend who had a nanny, I said, mm -hmm. do you, let me know if I'm looking to hire a nanny. Do you know anyone? And long story short, we interviewed her, her nannies knew somebody and we interviewed her and it went really well. So we hired her part-time basis. The funny thing is, is that I, I didn't trust her. No, no matter way. What. No <laughs> way. But I, but I worked from home. So I, she would be there and watch my son while I worked from home. And then I was like, you know, I I'm with that type that I, I try to do things like 200%. So I was, you know, nursing and making homemade baby food and trying to do everything and read all these books and speak. Even all these though languages. you had a nanny. <laughs> and so, and then I had to slowly say, okay, this is how I want the baby food to be made. Just can you help me do it? This is how I want my son's room to be organized. Like, you know what I mean? And slowly, you know, she helped me with all those things and I got used to her being around and but by me doing, having her there while I was there allowed me to uh, learn to trust her. And now she's still with us, the same nanny. She loves my kids. We basically couldn't survive without her, I think. Right wow. And, and it's funny because you didn't trust her at first. At first, you know, that's the, there's a whole trust issue with having someone you don't know in your house taking care of your children. So Exactly. Especially coming from like, for me, I was always uh, like when I was younger, it was always my family members, my grandmother, that would be the one taking care of us my brothers and I. So we never had that outside help in that sense. So whereas, you know, my, my husband's from Brazil, so it's it's much more common to have that kind of help. So it took me a while to get used to it. But once I did, you know, now it's kind of like, that's one of the advice I give to other like entrepreneurial women like this is you if you want to still continue to grow your business and you know, do that, you'll you need a nanny. I mean, everyone has different things. Like I, I just didn't want to do daycare at that at like at four months old. That just wasn't something that I felt comfortable with. Hmm. Um, and so that's how I did it. And my mom did a few days a week and the nanny did a few days a week and slowly we kept adding days and now she's full time. So And it's good because your parents they they help you too, but they can also enjoy their life. <laughs> so Exactly. Exactly. So when you're balancing your career, career in children, what do you think that is your biggest challenge and how are you overcoming that challenge? Um, I think my biggest challenge is my own guilt. Mm. I've, I, I've been reflecting on this a lot in the last year. I think part, I think my guilt has even stunted my growth at, um, this last year a little bit because for some reason I created a story in my head. I not, not for some reason, it's like societal norms, like moms. Yeah. Mom, their kids and so if I'm with my kids in my head I'm like wow I'm not you know I'm not doing the things I need to do to grow my business and when I'm at work building my business and being an attorney and a business owner I'm, I'm thinking oh my god I'm, I'm not with my kids so it's like what for some reason I had like this thing where one is like they're, they're, they're exclusive of each other like you can't have both and so I'm, I've been working in the last few months really hard just to like, okay, when I'm here, I'm here. When I'm there, I'm there. I'm present where I am at. Trying to disconnect from the phone when I'm home, which is hard, but you know, it's a work in progress and, and it's gotten better. I think that a lot of people, well, working moms, I think our biggest thing is the mommy guilt. Yeah. I, I had it really bad this year. 
Oh, wow. No, I understand you. Like I, cause my daughter, she was in daycare before and now she's in school. So the hours are different, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when she was in daycare, it's like she was there since she was a baby. So it's like, I trusted them. Yeah. But yeah. now she finishes school earlier and I see all the parents, like there's a group chat going on in my daughter's school. Cause she's actually in elementary now. Yeah. She's in VPK and the oh, group wow. chat. And I feel like you can never do anything. You know, yep. all the moms are always doing stuff and they're like, well, we're going to, you know, who can volunteer to decorate the class for Christmas and blah, blah, blah. And I always feel like, oh my God, like I can't do any of these. Yeah. You know, uh, I, 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 I get the text, you know, oh, um, we're going to the park after class. If, if Michael wants to come, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, uh, <laughs> I, it's like, it's like, I, I felt like saying like, don't these people work? Like, what's going on here? Like, who has time for this? You know, and at noon to go to the exactly. park. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and then, you know, everyone has their own things. But the funny enough is, you know, I, I was getting like that guilt also on the school end, like you were saying. Um, and then when I went to one of the birthday parties and started talking to the moms, like they all work. They just have different schedules. You know, yeah. not all, not most of them are not stay-at-home moms, and one of them, you know, it's the grandmother who's where the the mother is working, and the grandmother is the one who's taking. So, uh-huh. you know, sometimes sometimes it's like we don't even we, we we have this perception of what people's realities are, and, and it's not really like that. And everyone has their own struggles, and so uh, when you take the time to think about that, you're like, you know what? Um, I'm not that bad. <laughs> you know, you know what? It's like, I'm not the only one, you know, like it's part of that. It, this is part of life. And even with the stay at home moms, they have their own struggles too. Like it's they not don't. easy staying home, you know, yeah, that's the decision they made. And it's a blessing to be able to do that. That's what you want to do. Um, I don't think that would be something that I would want to do. It's actually another full-time job. It's basically, it, it is. And actually like, sometimes I, when I come to the office after like a full day of kids, I'm like, oh, I can breathe, have my coffee. Tired have my coffee and like peace you know? <laughs> and you can pee in peace in the bathroom yeah. you don't get followed <laughs> there's a beauty to that too you know at least for me it's something for me also you know so but yeah mom guilt is huge and I'm really happy you talked about it because people are shy to talk like I was shy to talk about the mommy guilt yeah. I would just live with it and just like it would it was like inside me and it hurts you and it makes you almost feel sick because you feel guilty but talking about it and trying to make it better yeah. And I think this, like I spoke about it before, like there's no such thing as perfect balance, but just like acknowledging that both ways are good ways. Like even if you're at work and your kids are at home and you're at, at home and you're not taking care of work, it's fine. No one's going to die. You know, like we're going to be fine. You know, work hard, play hard. And so I'm trying to, when I'm with my kids, I'm trying to be all there as much as I can and vice versa. Uh, when I'm at the office, you know, try to stay super focused and be like super productive. And so I've been studying like productivity and like efficiency and like streamlining processes. That was like a big thing for for my year, just to be as effective as I can be when I'm here, um, and and for my for my practice too, just so that I can, we can get more more things done, so I can go home earlier or whatever. So my goal is actually you know, to be home by like a certain time by the end of the year, like I want to be home by this time. So that by the time my kids are going to school, where they leave earlier, like you were saying, I want to try to say, okay, well, I'm, I'm picking them up from school, or, or I can take them to the park. <laughs> yeah, 1130 pickup is a hard park time for me. But, um, you know, I could start, you know, like, I, my idea is to build my business in a certain way. So that when we're going to soccer practice, or this or that after school activities, you know, uh, homework and things like that. Like I want to be, I want to be around. 
So I'm uh, making the sacrifice now for later. And I have to keep reminding myself of that. But that's really what it is. And also, you know, we, we talked about balance. Is there anything you do spiritually to help you, you know, maybe meditation, visualization? And, you know, if you do anything of like that, how do you feel it's impacted your life? So I am in the process of trying to find something to do like that. Okay. So it's funny that you say that because I have a hard time meditating because my mind doesn't stop. So I, I know that I should probably meditate because <laughs> I probably really need it. But um, I, I have a hard time doing that on my own. So I know they have those guided apps and I've tried that and I, I'm going to, I'm trying to commit to doing that now this month is like kind of, you know, January, let's get started. And now that I'm back in my routine after the, after the vacation, I, I want to really try to implement that like in a little bit each day, just to start getting into a routine of it. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like I, I could probably benefit from it. I can't say that I have like that thing and I'm actively searching for it. Mm-hmm. Because I know it, it, it helps a lot of people. And a lot of very successful people have that in their life. Do you have any book or resource that you can suggest or that you feel like have helped has helped you? Um, so on a business side, I, I did a lot of most of my um, reading and resources have been like business development stuff in the last year. Yeah. And, and I will say that um, the kind of the thing that I was th- that really helped me shift things in my practice was the e-myth. They have the e-myth attorney, which is, the, I read both. It's called the entrepreneurial myth. And it's really that the need to systematize and and create structure in your business for everything. And and, and so the, the e-myth itself, the regular one talks about McDonald's, you know, and every McDonald you go into, you know, the arch is going to be the same. The fries are going to be the same. This Everything's going to be the same, right? So- yeah. Like as you scale a business, when I had my hands in every single thing, it was, I, I knew how to do it, but you have to document the things as you grow and you have to create systems as you have staff to make sure that every experience is the same for every client because you can't do every single part of it anymore as you grow. So for me, that was very, very impactful and was very And impactful. so there's one for attorneys as well. That's really yeah, cool. And I think there's some for other professions as well. So uh, I read both. Um, they're both they were both valuable and had their own nuggets and like that's like that's the a lot of the studying that I did did read a lot of Michael Hyatt stuff uh, his podcast about productivity I've got some great like uh, different tips and tricks from that and he has some books too and David Nagel is like a mindset coach that I've been listening to what's his name David Nagel, N-E-A-G-L-E. I went to one of his three-day workshops in December. Yeah, so that was, it's like about money mindset and like growth and like what's blocking you from your growth kind of thing. So that was also very helpful. And I, I was in a coaching program for most of the year, which got me to be a better business owner. Pretty much self-improvement on the business side. And then I ended the year with some like mindset stuff. You know what? That's one of the things that sometimes I talk to attorneys about because in law school, they don't teach you how to be an entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. They don't teach you that. And also I get coached and I think business coaching is so important, especially when you have your own firm. Oh, yeah. It's so important because they had one class in law school on like law practice management, but they don't teach you the finance part like they don't teach you that you you know even though we're attorneys we still have to sell our services we still have to market our services it's a kind of like 
almost like uh, taboo to talk about as an attorney that, you know, that you need to make money because we're a profession, you know, but we, if you're, if you're not making money in your business, then what's, what's the point of your business, right? Then you go work for somebody else. It's, I think it's it, that education of like creating, you know, um, a successful streamlined business that's profitable is, is really important because, you know, attorneys have like a super high, like depression and substance abuse rate because yep. <laughs> if, if you look at the quality of life and this is for any really profession or, or you know, if you're like, running crazy every day and you're just putting out fires all day long it really is not good for your health uh on so many levels so by setting up your systems and your business in, in in a way that allows you to have things that you know will work a certain way and to get ahead of those fires and to um you know keep keep, keep control of your calendar and don't be a slave to emails and you know there's there's ways there's there's structured ways to deal with that I think one of the most important things I did last year actually I want to share is having my staff help me triage my emails one of my assistants will go in on a day a couple times a day and will filter them and file them in certain orders of priority so I have like must review I have review and respond and each one has like a different like priority level. So if I only have five minutes, I will go to the most, the top priority folder and deal with it there. And then all those educational things and marketing related things, they go to a folder. They're actually automatically filtered there. They go there. And when I have time or if I'm looking for something or if I want to read a little something educational, I'll go to that folder when I have time. The system that I created allows me to, you know, have more structure. And uh, my my email is not the my work email is not a private email. It's actually a staff email. So now, if there's some someone's asking me, for example, for a very simple thing that, like an escrow letter, for example, my staff has the ability to take care of that. So they just go in and, and will respond for me, um, so that I can focus on the higher level thing, whether it be tr- like problems or, uh, you know, speaking to clients with, mm-hmm. you know substantive issues or working on sales, marketing or whatever else I have to do in my business to make it, you know, continue functioning. So that I think like email, people become slaves to emails. And, you know, with the society that we're in, it's like the automatic response. You know, I know lawyers like that are doing the system that will only go in once a day. For me, because of the, the nature of my practice and the real estate practice, I can't just go in once a day. But I am created that system where I go in like a couple times a day only and, you know, in priority. And then you won't have like a bunch of random emails. That's such a good trip. That trick. I'm sorry. Yeah. So like if you know you're always getting emails from the board of realtors and um, your coach and this and that, those are not automatic, like urgent emails. Those can be filtered to a different folder, skip your inbox and you get to them when you can. Yep. And then then, you know, you have the other emails that you, you even if you're doing this yourself, a lot of them come from the same like, you know. Uh, domain name or whatever that you can just filter through and unsubscribe to things that you don't want. And just quickly going back to the coaching side of things, how do you feel that like coaching impacted your business or how has it helped you? Because I'm, I'm the biggest advocate for coaching, but for realtors. So I want to hear it from an attorney. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think that as an attorney, if you're a business owner, I think you need some sort of either whether it's coaching or education education or like study 
you need something because like I said, you, you, we don't, we don't have that education on how they don't teach you that they don't teach you that. So it's really important, whether it's self-study or through somebody else, but really spending time every week educating yourself on how to be a better business owner is really important. Myself, I found the coaching program that I did um, that I really enjoyed. Um, it, I, t- I learned a lot of things, it, it, but it all depends. You have to be ready for it, you know, and you have to find the right one. You know, I personally found one that they'll get in your face and they'll tell you exactly what you're doing wrong <laughs> and, and why. And that's what I like. That's how I like it. You know, because it's, people have a hard time in my, in my life. No one tells me like what I'm doing. Like, I'm kind of like the one that speaks up the most around, you know, it's, it's very few people will say, no, you're doing this wrong. You shouldn't be doing it like this. You should do it like that. And even like when family members do it, it's almost like I get defensive on it. But if I pay someone to do it, it's almost, it's almost like, you know, it, I could hear it in it with a different kind of like tune. So it, it definitely helped me. And now like into this new year, I'm going to be doing it on my own a little bit. Mm-hmm. And trying that out and then just but always still learning. So there's a bunch of conferences I'm signed up for. There's a bunch of different things that I'm planning on doing this year, just not in that kind of same way that I was doing it last year uh, to try something different and different angles and different points of view and different, you know, things I want to focus on. So but always I think that what I learned the most is that from my my coaching program now that I'm um, going to be phasing out of is personal growth precedes professional growth. So, you know, learning things about yourself is, is really important before you before you do that. So you said personal growth precedes professional growth. I think yeah. that's the best quote I've heard all week. <laughs> yeah. So it's like working on yourself and there's different ways you can do that. And everyone has different things that they need to work on. But just understanding that and spending time and money on yourself to be a better person, better professional, better whatever. You got to You have to invest in yourself. Yep, absolutely. So Thank you so much for everything. That was, I got a lot of information. I was actually taking notes as you were talking. <laughs> that was great. Where, where can people find you? On Facebook, uh, my uh, my firm is Grimaldi Law Firm. You could just search that and you'll find me. Uh, same thing on Instagram. Uh, but on a personal level, like, I do a lot of on my personal page as well. Melinda Grimaldi. Uh, LinkedIn, the same thing. So you can find me there and um, I'm, I'm constantly sharing tips and tricks myself. Just when I find something, I share it. When I need something, I ask for it. So uh, you always find some good nuggets. <laughs> Thank you so much for this. And I'm really grateful that you agreed to do it. And I know it's going to help a lot of people. Thank you so much. It was a Thank- nice time. <laughs>